Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Anything But Typical podcast. And I kind of have imposter syndrome when I'm going to be talking about our next guest because he has the Brand Builders podcast and they've eclipsed us. I think this is episode 70-something. And uh, they Scott can talk about how many they've done it. And it's not about comparison, but man, they do a great job. And so we're really thrilled to have Scott Dunstan of the Dunstan Group here and uh, have him tell us his story, you know, the real and unvarnished story of entrepreneurship for him. And so, Scott, here's the opening question. Uh, since you are an outdoorsman, you like getting out and you like the camaraderie of that, but going out into the wilderness someplace, you are gearing up for the the next adventure and you're going to Jesse Brown's in South Park here in Charlotte and somebody sees you walking probably past Bowding. I don't know, but they're, they see you walking past in the parking lot and they're like, Hey, that's Scott Dunstan. They start talking about you, not realizing you can overhear everything that they're saying about you. What would you want somebody to say about you? Well, man, you know, I, I've never been asked that question. Uh, but before I answer that, I just want to say thank you all for having me on. You do a wonderful job with your podcast. I've listened and tuned in to quite a few, and I appreciate what you're doing for the community, for leadership, and just sharing these stories. Uh, I think that's the fabric of Charlotte. Um, that scenario you just outlined could happen. I love Baldine, and I love Bill Barty and Jesse Browns and his whole team over there. Um, to answer your question, man. That's, it's pretty simple in that my policy in life, and, and man, I, I work hard to achieve it. I'm not going to say I'm always perfect because I'm not, but to do the right thing every single time. And so if I overheard someone speaking about me, I would hope that they, they say I'm an honest guy, easygoing guy, nice guy, uh, that does some good for the community and, and gives back. Um I would hope that's what we would achieve. Uh, that's what I'm always striving for. Uh, but, you know, um, I don't know, man. I think, I think that's where, I think that's where I would go with it. You know, that's a beautiful answer. And it's uh, so uniquely you. And I would say that about you because, you know, now that I know exactly what to say word for word, that's what I'm going to say next time I see you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> and likewise, and I think that's why we're together today. You know, that, that's, a, that's a commonality. We, I think we have that in common, and I think you guys certainly achieved that. And, uh, you know, good people attract good people. Always, I'm always a firm believer of that. Yeah. So for the... Uh... Listeners who have not had the pleasure of meeting Scott, Scott's the owner and president at the Dunstan Group, where they're providing custom branded merchandise and apparel to truly reflect your company and organization. We're going to talk a lot about how companies can utilize that for, for themselves and how Scott assists in that type of uh, of marketing and branding. Um, Gary also alluded to, he's the host of the Brand Builders podcast, which yes, has a few extra episodes than uh, than what anything but typical has done so far. They do an amazing job there. And then he's also the co-founder of Pink to Drink, which we're going to talk about. So, Scott, before we get into any of those three things, I want you to talk to us a little bit about what you were doing prior to the Dunstan Group. Um, 
Thank you for that intro, too. Uh, you know, I, I work for my uncle in the same business. I, I went to East Carolina, graduated in 2000, moved straight to Charlotte, uh, right out of finishing in summer school. Again, went to East Carolina, so <laughs> five-year program uh, for undergraduate, made my way to Charlotte because of opportunity and because my grandmother lived here, had an uncle here. He had just started a business doing similar line of work of what, what we do here at the Dunstan Group. Um, worked with him for eight years, learned the industry, uh, learned so much from him, leadership, all, all the things it takes to, to have that entrepreneurial spirit and actually implement uh, starting and owning and running a business. Uh, 2008, he sold that company, retired. I started Dunstan Group. We were right in the middle of a financial crisis. Um, Gary, you shared some of your uh, experiences, especially during that time with your career and where things went on our podcast, which I thought was very unique and, and it's cool to understand how you rebounded and, and found great happiness again. Um, but yeah, so when he retired and, and I started Dunstan Group, uh, there were things obviously I wanted to do differently um, in, in our company and the way we went to market and, and all of that. And so so we've done that. Um, but again, I learned a lot of the basics and, and, and a lot about just running a business in general from him over those eight years. So for 22 years, uh, I've been in this branded merchandise industry, uh, AKA swag, AKA advertising specialty. Uh, there are a lot of names for what we do. I like to call it branded merchandise because it's, it's nothing more. We offer nothing more than a platform for your brand and your logo. The key is to do it the right way and to understand our clients' audience, understand their budgets, understand their objectives with the product in general, and really work hard to partner with them to deliver products that will create an experience and, and you know, uh, you know, their brand in, in their particular marketplace. So if we do that the right way, what we provide will get incorporated in people's daily lifestyles. And if that happens, then your logos and, and brand and message, whatever that may be, uh, will be a consistent reminder uh, to their audience. So that's what we do. And that's how I sort of got here in a nutshell without boring you with all the details. But it, I can tell you this, if it were a sort of a graph or a some sort of chart it is not a straight line up <laughs> is it is it ever a lot of right? and valleys and and uh a lot of challenges and a lot of lost sleep but at the same time i never complain about that because you know the reason i started the company in the first place was was not for the money essentially it was for freedom of choice and and uh i figured if we did it the right way and, and we took care of people along the right way, then the money would follow, you know? And that's that's sort of been our approach, it still is today, you know? Yeah, uh, you, you hit on a few different things there. One of them that I wanna dive into first before we get too into the Dunstan Group is the dynamic of getting out of college, working for your uncle for eight years, right? Working with family can sometimes be nice, smooth sailing, other times can be difficult. But you also had this this family figure that you were able to learn entrepreneurship from. So did you 
did you have any of that exposure before working for him as far as seeing him running a business when you were growing up or talking with, with him or any other family members about this, or was being in the business kind of the first exposure to, to entrepreneurship? That's a great question. I, uh, I've kind of always had that bug, man. I was the guy in junior high, maybe even fifth, sixth grade that would, that would buy the bulk uh, bag of, uh, chewing gum and then go sell it to my buddies for 50 cents a piece or something. Um, my dad and my family, they were my, my direct family. My mother and father were not entrepreneurs. Um, but the way they raised me, they always gave me what I needed, but not necessarily what I wanted. So early on, I, I sort of understood that if there were some things that I wanted that, I was going to have to figure out how to, how to do that, you know? Um, uh, and what I mean by they gave me what I need. I mean, you know, they had clothes on my back. They had a roof over my head. They, they, they covered my college education and, and the important things in life. But when I wanted that toy or I wanted that new stereo for my car when I was 16, or even if I wanted the car, I had to figure out, um, how to go about doing that. And so I think that's where the bug really started was, um, you know, back in the day, like I would cut grass, you know, I would go around the neighborhood and uh, had several accounts, if you will. I, I would just push them over the yards, pick up 20 bucks here and there. And, and because of that scenario, I think I understood pretty early on, like the value of the dollar and how hard it was to earn it. And so I was pretty tight with it and and learned how to sort of reinvest and, and that kind of thing. And just took those basic principles. And then when I joined my uncle, um, he'd been in business for two years before I joined him, but but he'd been in a similar line of work for 20 years prior. So of course I picked up the lingo and how to handle customers and backing up to those basic core values of doing the right thing. And, uh, owning up to your mistakes and all those things. So I think all of that trickled into, okay, now's the time in my life where we're going to take this plunge um, and, and and try to start a business. And so yeah. that's, where we, that's where we were at that time. <laughs> so, so you get to that point of, okay, he's selling the business. I'm not going to go work for anybody else now. I'm going to go start my own thing. And you talked earlier about the having peaks and valleys. What were a couple of those valleys or struggles that you had getting getting your business off the ground? Man, uh, first of all, you, and, and this isn't for everybody, but uh, there were a couple of years there where I, I didn't have income, uh, essentially. I mean, I had income, but we were, I was, I was sort of skimping on certain things in life to, to reinvest and, and continue to build uh, Dunstan Group. But uh, I think you have to be willing, or I think you have to, you know, live a lifestyle that might enable you to make that choice, uh, which is, which is, is what I did. I had enough to kind of float me through that time, but I also had to, had to make something happen. Right. Um, so the first two or three years, man, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure I made any money, but the company was starting to make money and, and, you know, brought on a first employee. We were in the attic of my home. We moved into an office and, and just kind of paid as we, as we went. And, um, 
And so I don't know, does that answer your question or? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. There's no, there's no direct answer for what, yeah. what could have been said there. It was more curiosity of everybody's launching off point looks different, right? For some people they're surrounded by right. a huge team. Other people, it's one person in their own attic. So, so it's more curiosity. Out of, that out was of me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Some that, people, that some people me, get man. garages. <laughs> Go for it. The garage was already being paid for, right? Or the, the <laughs> attic was already being paid for. Yep. Uh, so it made sense. Again, it, it's for me, it, you know, and I know, I know there, like you said, there are a ton of ways to go about starting a business. Go out, raise capital, you know, bring in partners, uh, whatever you want to do. For me, it was just get started and, and build as I went, take care of everyone. And I've got a couple stories in there that, that might benefit some other people, especially younger folks that, are getting into sales, um, you know, you got to have a long-term sort of vision. Did I have a plan? Honestly, I didn't even have a business plan. My plan was to get out, meet as many people, network as hard as I could, um, do the right thing, take care of folks along the way. And again, I, my feeling was if I do that the right way and do that enough, the, the, the money will follow and we'll build a team. And I remember when I started, it was it was the Dunstan Group. If you were like, dude, why the Dunstan Group? It's just you. I'm like, man, we'll grow into it. You know, we'll grow into it. Uh, not sure how yet, but we'll grow into it. And and now there there is a group of us. And and frankly, it's way beyond anything I could do just myself these days. But uh, yeah, that's been a fun process too, build, building our team. So, um, but yeah, that's how I've done it. Uh, again, I know there's a lot of ways to go about it but. well the dunston group really was a team it was you yourself and you <laughs> that's right <laughs> so sometimes you gotta set yeah. the bar high and just believe in things and just go for it you know <laughs> i <laughs> can't be scared of failure I, you I love it man because um yeah i mean we, we've seen that with a lot of companies called group right but there's some interesting similarities Think about how many times, Ben, we've heard entrepreneurs talk about, yeah, well, when I was a kid, I was selling, I was buying bulk, yep. <laughs> you know, candy. Have you heard that story before? Oh, oh, oh yeah. So many times. Like, started. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and then I had a portfolio of lawns I was mowing, which, dude, <laughs> I think all three of us have done that too. Right. But yeah. yeah. Had I stayed in the landscaping business, I probably would have been about retiring by now. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we, we know some. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's funny because I think I think you're just I don't know, man. I think it's in your DNA or something. Like different personalities, right? Like um, different sides of your brain. I, I I just operate on that side and always have. Uh, Am I creative? Like, no, I'm not. Like, I, you know, what I've learned in business is, look, I, I'll be the first to admit, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not super smart. I'm just smart enough to know to surround myself with people that are uh, very talented in areas I'm, I'm uh, weak in, you know. And um, yeah, but so that I, that alludes so much to a couple things. One, self awareness. Right. Know what you're good at. Know what you need to be surrounded 100%. by. And then the other one is not having this massive ego where you need to feel like you need to be the smartest person in the room. 
And those those two things yeah. are a common theme around successful entrepreneurs, because otherwise you get this one person that thinks they need to be the smartest person there. So everything flows through that them and they become the keystone in the business and, and it can't grow or have a, any sort of healthy culture in that type of leadership manner. So those are superpowers you have, right? The self-awareness right. and the, the lack of ego. It's great. That, my friend, is why you're on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I said that, but but I mean it. It's, it's true. And you're right. Ego gets in the way. Greed gets in the way. Um, I, I try to try to avoid both of those things, man, um, because it's, it's not about that uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. So let's talk a little more pride in like, seeing others become successful through through our team and leadership. Uh, honestly, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's what my, you know. so let, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean, to no, you're, you're fine. That's, that's the way this, this conversation goes. Right. So it's good. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you're helping other companies grow, have stronger brands, things like that. Um, talk about an experience, right? Let's say you have one of the listeners is coming in, talking to you for the first time. What are some of the things you're trying to find out about them? Things like that. Take us through the the beginning of that type of conversation. Cool. That's a great question too. Um, I told you, you guys are real pros. <laughs> we're, we're trying. Um, yeah. I, so we we start that conversation first. We we like to invite folks over. We have a great showroom that's full of apparel, different branded items, um, lots of different product categories, and. You know, and and instantly, and I'm not saying we have to go about it that way, but what we've discovered is if folks are willing to come see us, um, then you've already sort of qualified that opportunity. If it's just a new a new lead or a new referral or whatever, um, and so if they come see us, I think I think they'll come in and, and get this homey vibe. Um, we're not all stuffy. I'm the oldest one in the company. Um, so we've got new talent and, and younger talent and lots of good energy. Um, and, and we just have a conversation and, and where that normally starts is, uh, first of all, like, let's, let's talk about what well, we can dive into the meat of the brand guidelines and, and all the things you all have to have later in the conversation. The initial part is really, what are you trying to achieve with the product? Um, you know, who, who is your audience? Um, what is your budget? Uh, you know, what what is the event if there is an event? Uh, when is that? And then we're we're trying to gauge all of these sort of parts of the process so that we can come back to you and with with really effective ideas that are actually on brand for you. And that's very different for all brands, right? Like. Um, you know, if we're talking Bank of America, that's one thing. If we're talking, uh, you know, a, a taco restaurant chain, that's a very different thing. Uh, but the cool thing is there are products all in between that would be effective for each. And so it's our job to cull through the tens of thousands of products available to you and come to you with, with, with what our experience brings to the table in regard to knowing what's effective and what's not. So that's kind of how the process gets started. And then we, you know, we'll, we'll report back with, with ideas and 
proposals, and then we'll start trimming that down and talk brand guidelines and understand uh, what that looks like. And also another, I think, very important early on question is, you know, colors and, and all of those kind of things. Like if, if, if your brand is all blue and red, then, then I'm going to try to find products that kind of are close to your Pantone colors and all of that to make the end result feel like that product was custom made for your brand. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're trying to dive into in the sort of initial meet of it, um, you know, without going too far into detail. But. You know, I, I think that's a very interesting and anything but typical approach to like, let's face it, every industry has its commodity aspect, right? Correct. And uh, you can say it about every industry. But the way you separate from the commoditization is get really personal and, you know, personalize it. And in growing up as a designer, <laughs> we dealt with a lot of branded merchandise companies that we called trinkets and trash. Yes. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. but trinkets and trash is a commodity. How cheap is that pen? How cheap is that, you know, polo? Whatever. That's right. But what I love, what what I loved about what you said early on was I haven't heard that from any other branded merchandise people. Um, quite frankly, I really haven't. Good. And that is brand guidelines. Like what, like getting into your brand persona and your core values and stuff like that, like that is not a commoditized approach. That is a, that's a much higher level, quite frankly. And your, okay. your prices may still be the same as somebody peddling trinkets and trash, but there's intentionality. And I, I'd like to have you here, you know, talk a little bit about, yeah, Bank of Bank of America, if they're buying stuff for an event, the Panthers thing for their private client group or whatever, that's one thing. But you can still, hopefully those brand managers are able to spout off, these are our core values, do the right thing, teamwork and trust, and have a passion for winning. Those were the three that we had in my day there. Yep. Some of them may not be able to, but you know, dealing with a smaller company, and it may even be a fifty million dollar company, but um, you know, a lot of times they they don't even have that sophistication. Do you guys go into even helping somebody if they don't really know? Do you help them define any of that stuff? Uh, yeah, we do. It's uh, you know, I, I appreciate you saying all that because that truly is the value we add and bring to the table. Um, it's, it's, it's all about, and, and I know you do this in, in your business, but it's all about just understanding your customer and your client and like, what is it they really need? And you mentioned trinkets and trash. That's a very prominent, uh, sort of phrase towards our industry. And we're trying to change that, man, because I mean, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. And we're far from that. Uh, do those companies and people exist? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of price pressure from the price buyer, right? The price buyer can hop online and bounce around and shop a product and go to the cheapest website available and order. What are they going to get from that? 
maybe it comes in right. Does does that online house even have someone you can talk to, or is it a chat box? Do they understand your event? Are they actually engaged in your community and understand what your event's all about? Um, they're not going to ask you for your brand guidelines. You're all on your own in that environment. And that's a price shopping environment. And that's okay. There are some very successful companies in our industry that have done that well. And, you know, four imprints and uh, custom ink and that kind of thing. They've invested heavily in their online presence and technology. But you're not going to get from them what, what we deliver on some of those things you just mentioned. Um, and frankly, we're a phone call away, and, and if there's a problem, I'll come see you if you're here in Charlotte or, or whatever, um, and we'll talk through it. We're, we're, I always say, like, you know, where you really get the opportunity to, to really show who you are is when there's adversity, right? Because adversity creates opportunity. There's, there's, that, there's that point in the process where you get a chance to fix it and stand behind your work. We do that every single time, and we're in the custom business, so it's things happen, right? All I have to do is spell Gary G R A Y, <laughs> then you're gray on a thousand T-shirts, and it's wrong, right? Like we have processes that helps us avoid those things, but still things happen. Uh, we stand behind it. We're gonna be there. We're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to ensure it's there for your event. Um, I think throughout the pandemic, we've really had, it's been very, very difficult in our world, right? Because not only did everything shut down from events to restaurants to, to everything, guess what? They weren't buying uh, branded merchandise during that time, uh, except for masks and hand sanitizer. That, that kept us afloat a little bit. Uh, but, you know, um, I... Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, I just, you know, you, you get that, you get that opportunity to just be face to face and, and add the value. And, and that's where we focus, man. It's relationships. And I think our great clients really understand that and want to make sure that their brand is reflected well in the marketplace. Like they don't want just any Joe Blow dealing with that because to build a brand, as you guys know, there has to be consistency. There has to be um, very positive light shed on everything. And, and there's just a lot of people out there that do crappy work, AKA trash, trickets and trash, you know? So you hit on something that I wanted to take us down a little bit. So we're in it, kind of winding down 2022 at this point. Um, it's been almost three years of, completely different world right i mean yes. and um you know what's normal i don't know um but the last few years were were not normal um and you talked about how difficult it was besides you know hey look at this mask and look at this hand sanitizer oh. right but so how did you navigate that like you guys were still rocking and rolling with your podcast and still trying to give in a tough economic environment for you in particular how did you make it through what were some of the things that you did during the pandemic to just be able to keep the team together and keep the wheels on it was the hardest time ever that, that i've experienced in, in my little business world right like 
Um, we just, and first of all, I think it was April of 2020, gross revenue that month was less than half of my payroll, right? <laughs> so that was where it started. And I was like, and we were set up to have our best year yet. January, February of that year were rocking. Um, and we were really excited about that. And here comes COVID, you know. I remember having these conversations. Um, one lady in our office was about to have her first born. And she's like, Scott, man, I, I all this going on, like, what are we going to do? I, I don't even feel comfortable coming in the office. So I'll never forget it. We, we left that day, and then it was a year and a half before half my team got back in the office, right? Uh, so what we did, man, it, thank God for Zoom and, and, and these technology pieces that allowed us to stay together, uh, we immediately went into the offensive mode. Um, we would call, we we called clients just checking in. We weren't, we knew we weren't selling anything. It was just an opportunity to say, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's your business going? What's, what are you hearing? That was very educational for us, but also very nice to, to just stay connected with people, even if we weren't doing transactions, right? Um, we, I waited a month or two before getting in that mask world because frankly, I didn't understand it. <laughs> Like, and, and I'm like, we're not going to sell a product that I don't understand, especially if it has something to do with your health. Um, and so we, we waited on that and we missed out on probably some revenue uh, because of that. But at the same time, when we sold a mask, we knew it was the right one uh, eventually. Um, we were very fortunate in that we, we do have a, a good amount of clients in the construction world and, and some other essential business worlds uh, or industries that kept us afloat. But, but let's back up a little bit to that. Uh, you know, we all, we all know the phrase like make hay when the sun is shining, right? We had had some good years prior to that. And, and in business, you have to, you have to save that hay when the sun's shining because you know, there are going to be economic cycles. Fortunately, we were in the position to, to weather that storm um financially uh and then there were programs such as ppp and other things that uh that were substantial during that time that, that we looked into and whatnot and um just did everything we could but i'll tell you what we did that probably was my favorite and most most proud of was didn't let one person go during that time even when you know my you know as entrepreneurs when things get tough usually we're the ones to take the pay cut first. It's hard for anyone to understand that, but it's, it's the reality. So I worked harder during that time than I probably ever worked for, for the money I was kind of making back, back in the day when I was selling bubble gum, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that was part of it, but I maintained our team. We retained our team. I feel like we, we put their, their heart and mind uh, in the forefront and tried to have empathy where, you know, hey, you, you feel like you need to stay home, then, then by God, that's what we're going to do. We'll make it work. Um, patience, a lot of patience, man. Um, and a lot of understanding that, look, this hopefully will be just a short-term blip in the overall big picture. And so what we did was revamp our entire technology. Um, we, we made those investments. We, uh, we moved offices. 
because a 10-year lease was coming up on our last one, um, we really took advantage of the slower time in hopes that things would come back. So basically, when things really slowed down, we hit the gas on, on the things that we knew we needed to do to, for the longevity of this business and, and for future growth and uh, scalability. Um, and looking back, all like retaining our team, uh, technology and, and new office were all just things I'm really proud of that have honestly set us up for a really great year in 2022. Um, so that's what we did in a nutshell, you know. Um, and I think it's proven to be the right move, uh, but time will tell, you know. So. Yeah. So, no, oh, sorry. Go, Gary. Yeah. No, the only thing that I was just going to say is you said a lot of nuggets there. Again, that's why you're on this podcast, because <laughs> eaters, I mean, leaders eat last. Right. I mean, mm. and you said it. I mean, that's the way to put it. That's why we we love telling stories and, and having people tell their stories, because it doesn't feel quite as bad when you're the one taking the pay cut, when you think everybody else is not doing that, but every entrepreneur and business owner that's been through lean times knows exactly what you're talking about. And they can relate exactly to what you're saying. You know, the, the making hay while it's day, you know, that that's what my grandfather, the one, he was a farmer and that's he, what he said when I was a little kid all the time. And, yeah, you cannot assume that everything's going to be great forever. So you got to be doing some rainy day funds and setting st stuff aside for what happens if things slow down, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. They will. And the fact that you, you know, you a lot of people say that their people are their most important asset. But when you're cutting your own pay, to keep payroll people on payroll, that's the difference between preference and, you know, lip service and actually rubber meat in the road and conviction, you know, conviction and preference are very different. And so I'm just, I, I think that's really cool that you, you prioritize is clear that you, you care about the Dunstan group. That's not just me, myself and I, <laughs> it's actually a group of other people. Right. And that team is really important and that you had saved some money. You took advantage of some federal programs, you know, who knows whether those are ever going to go back again. But I mean, they did keep a lot of small businesses alive. So I'm grateful for that. But then hitting the gas, knowing like, all right, we don't know how long this is going to last, but while we're, while we're kind of dead in the water, let's, let's do what we know we need to do for building the future. So Great, great comments there. Thank you, and it's the truth. Uh, and that reminded me of something else. What we what we moved heavily into as things started to trickle back, we were seeing because not only do we do like you know product for events and to give away to clients, but we do a lot of internal projects with HR teams, uh, especially for larger corporations, right? And they were a lot of them were struggling with the same issues just on a much bigger scale. And they were looking for ways to stay connected with their team and or clients. And so we moved directly into building these, 
what we call the brand builder boxes. It's a customized box filled with swag, whatever that swag is and pertinent to your brand. Folks, you know, companies were mailing them directly to their at-home staff or clients that they hadn't seen in a while. Or, I mean, let's face it, we weren't able to interact. We weren't able to network. We weren't able to see people for some time there. So to receive a box full of really cool gear and thoughtful messages from like a Kindle or a journal book, or I mean, it could be anything, drinkware, whatever it is, uh, scarves, the hoodies were very popular. People working from home, they're comfortable, you know. Uh, so whatever that box was, when it arrived to folks, were, were a huge hit, and it helped folks stay connected, and that's how we incorporated our product during that outside of masks and sanitizers. Um, so that became almost like a new product offering, a new industry shift, because a lot of other uh, folks in our world were doing the same. So, um, so that was cool. You know, it, no matter what, in any crisis, I, I feel like there's a silver lining, and I try, to, I try to focus on the silver lining part. And I know a lot of bad things happened during COVID, but there's some good things that happened too. And, and I truly believe if you're a company like ours that that really struggled during that initial time, especially if you were able to come through this and you were able to prove to your clients that you literally had their interest first and you know build that trust. Um, man, I think I think coming out of this, of course you're going to lose some competition that didn't quite make it. Um, you know, you, you come out of the harder times a lot stronger, and, and I, I truly feel like we've achieved that. So I'm really proud of it, man. I really am. And, and hopefully we're out of the weeds on this thing. I know we have some other economic issues sort of lingering, but, but man, I you know, I think one, one key factor of entrepreneurship is focus on what you control because you're getting fired at from a lot of directions, and that's, that's what we've done. So, uh Hopefully that continues to be a good plan, you know? Yeah. And, and it's also companies learning from these types of things also, right? Gary said stuff like the rainy day fund. How many business owners do that in their own personal finances of, oh, I need an emergency fund because you're told that since you're 13 years old and you don't do that same type of stuff for the business. It's easy to do on the personal side, not the business. And then you all of a sudden you go through and if it weren't for federal programs, how many small businesses would have had to shut down? And are they going to coming out the other end, make those types of changes to learn and continue to grow? So those things, when a hurdle is thrown at them, that's unexpected. Now they can handle it better with or without help the second time. That's right. And you know, it's, it's tough. Man. So there's a lot of moving parts, but um you know, I, I would highly suggest any entrepreneur read as much as they can. I've been failing at that lately, but a great book, No Hero. Um, and that's where I learned the three foot world principle. And that has, that has been something I've worked really hard to incorporate just in my daily. Uh, you know, and the, without ruining in, in essence, the story is, this is a Navy SEAL book and there's a guy in Buds and he was afraid of climbing and he was in that climbing part of, of, of training. And, you know, there's this like old hippie climber guy that was his coach trying to get him through it. 
And as he's scaling this wall, he's looking back at the town behind him. He's looking down at his buddy. He's worried about all these things. And, and his coach said, dude, focus on your three-foot world. He's like, what the hell are you talking about, three-foot world? He's like, man, all that matters to you right now is where your hand is going next, your foot is going next. That's all you need to worry about because guess what? That's what you can control in this moment. All of that other stuff is noise. You can't do anything about that. All it's doing is distracting you from what you're trying to accomplish right now. Long story short, he took that three-foot world principle all the way through. He went to combat multiple times, Iraq, yada, yada, yada. He said that that mindset saved his life and his team's life on several occasions, just focusing on that moment on what you can control right then. And, and I think any entrepreneur should read that book, but also incorporate that kind of thought process into their into their daily, you know, because um, it's hard otherwise, man. There's just so much we can sit here and worry about, <laughs> but you know what? We can't do a thing about it. Yep. All we can do is control the way we react to it, you know, um, or whatever that may be. So. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and that leads into too some of the things that you've done as far as how do you keep preparing yourself, whether it's reading these books or also the the brand builders podcast, right? The conversations that you're having. Sure, obviously you get to learn a lot from that, the way that Gary and I are fortunate to be able to do with this app or with this podcast. Um talk to us a little bit about why you started Brand Builders Podcast. Oh yeah, thank you for asking. Um all right, so Let's see, I think we're five and a half years into it now. We've put one out every single Friday since we started. So we we have not missed a Friday in five and a half years. So that puts us at almost like 300 episodes, um, which is crazy. So that means that I've talked to, and first let me say, it's, it's not Brian Young on my team. Um, he He and I both have spearheaded that thing and he he is a absolute pro at it and and it's it's been really cool to see him excel and grow uh because of us doing the podcast the reason we started it is because we work with so many cool brands and we were looking for additional ways to add value we were looking for more ways to engage with our clients and community and we were looking for just other ways to 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 build our brand, right? Like, and podcasts were, <coughs> excuse me, you correct me if I'm wrong, but at the time, five six years ago, podcasts were just sort of getting into yeah. the business world, right? And mm-hmm. especially like small business, and we were just trying to be trendy and and figure out a new way to do things, and so that's why we started it. But man, have we learned, and it's gone way beyond what what I thought it would be, you know. And and I remember people asking me, "Dude, what are you doing? First of all, what is a podcast? What are you doing?" I was like, "Well, listen, tune in. That's all you got to do. Here's the link, and you'll see what we're doing." But they're like, "Well, how do you get an ROI on that?" I was like, "We are not looking to be Joe Rogan. We are not looking to make a dollar. We're not looking to make money off." We are looking to do the things that I just mentioned, right? Like, and there are so many things that, that are positive that have come out of that 
uh, us doing that podcast. One of them is, to your point, uh, you know, just talking to 300-ish leaders and understanding the commonality of of what they're saying, kind of what you mentioned earlier, like, oh, yeah, we've heard the bubblegum story several times. Like, they're, it's in the fabric of some people. And not to say that you can train and become, you know, a leader, you know, if you want to, you absolutely can. But there are some common threads of, of character and the way people are brought up and things like that that I think, in essence, build good leaders. And we're hearing that and we're understanding that. And it's been so cool for me to see, like, Brian get fired up about something that, that he's passionate about and loves and, and has some ownership in and, um, you know, has, has really enabled him to connect with the community and build a ton of relationships. And so it's, it's, it's checked all kinds of boxes, not to mention connecting dots with our guests, with potential clients or folks that could use their service or whatever it may be. Um, so anyway, we're, we're real proud of it. But that's why we started and why we continue to do it. Um, we're still still charged up about it, man, and, and, and we love it. It's, it's become part of our brand um, and what we do and who we, who we do it for, you know? Yeah, in the connecting with your clients and prospects and community and adding value, like the fact that all of that is the foundation of it allows the extra things, the getting a client from it or increasing your brand awareness or things like that. All that is bonus instead Correct. of the other way around. Correct. And, you know, it's a, it, we've gained a lot of exposure from it that we didn't even see coming. Um, and I think that's just all happened organically just through, you know, doing good in your community, man. I think that's a really important piece of, of any business, especially small business, you know? Yeah. Ironically, that's how Gary and I met. I started a podcast about seven years ago for the same reason, connect with people, things like that, and had Gary on on my podcast. And so seven years later, we're run, running a business together and doing a podcast together and all that. So it's just funny, the ancillary things that happen that you have no idea when you go into content of any sort, right? Whether it's podcasts or articles or anything. That's right. Just, you know, we've talked to a lot of people that, you know, have re- it's really helped me be less judgmental and open my mind to to things that I might have beforehand just threw a judgment up on and be like not interested, whatever. <clears throat> um, because we've talked to a lot of folks that are very different than myself and Brian, and and we actually love that. And and I think like part of our overall problem with all the tension in the world today is lack of communication. So to have 30 minutes or an hour with someone and, and actually have their attention with no cell phones, text, and emails, and interruptions, <clears throat> excuse me, is valuable. Man, you know, just a conversation, right? You know, so. you mentioned um, somebody asking, well, what's the ROI? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me say, anybody thinking about a po- podcast for an ROI? Um, you will be among the 90% of <laughs> podcasts out there that make it through three episodes and then you give up because right. it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and effort. But, and if that's what you're chasing, you know, 
real estate or maybe crypto before the crypto king blew up uh, <laughs> is a better way to go. But, right. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're really going about it to develop relationships and to have to learn, to be inspired and hopefully inspire others, that like that doesn't get old. I mean, I hear you is with as much energy and probably even more energy and enthusiasm today after five years of doing this than when you started with like, and you were, you were very much bleeding edge, you know, in this space to be doing podcasting. And so was Ben. Ben was in the financial uh, advisory world doing that. I mean, how many... <laughs> <laughs> Not many people no. in that world would do it, much less be allowed to do it. And so, right. Correct. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's anyway. some stories around that that we can get into another time. But yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was interesting waters to navigate for sure. <laughs> it's innovative, man. Like, look, it's it's such a great tool. Like to hear from the horse's mouth that there's a subject you're interested in. It just is, and they're permanent unless you take them down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've shared some incredible stories, man. And, and Gary, yours being one of them, it's just, I mean, every one of them is unique in their own way. There's a few that really stand out, um, you know, that we could get into if you wanted to, but um, it's it's just really cool. I I, uh, I I think it's it's that. Have you guys ever read the book Go Giver? It's just oh yeah, that Go Giver mindset, man, and and. Look, you, you do good by people, you know, you don't necessarily expect good to come back, but somehow it does, you know? <laughs> um, and I think life is just more fun than that. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, Scott, before, before we wrap up, I want to make sure we pivot a little bit into this. You've got a community aspect baked right into your business, right? Working with nonprofits, helping them with their brands and, and recognitions, things like that. First off, I want to start very broad and then we can narrow it from there. But why is that important to you to have that be a part of your your business? Um, I think just in short, just what I just referenced is like, look, man, you, you do good and, and good good tends to happen. Um, cancer, the, the reason we've gotten involved in 24 Foundation and some other cancer-oriented nonprofits is because my mother died of, of leukemia. In 1986, <clears throat> I was I was 10 years old at the time, and you know, as I became a young man and you know, getting in the career and out of college, I was looking for ways to get back, and and um, I was cycling a lot at the time and, and stumbled across 24 Hours of Booty, um, and 24 Hours of Booty, uh, you know, hosted a 24 hour cycling event around the Booty Loop in Myers Park, and so I got involved with that and started doing some fundraising and one thing led to another and um, they needed gear and they're big believers in brand and merchandise is like fundraising level incentives and all kinds of different uses and, and uh, it just made sense for us to become a sponsor and help support that and, and we've been doing that for 12 years now <laughs> with just 24 foundation and, and many others in, in between um, there's a selfish reason why it feels good because we know we're we know we're helping other people. That makes me feel good. I guess that's selfish, but at the same time, uh, it's the right thing to do, man. Um, you know, if, if you're not 
supporting the community that supports you, then what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it just seems like it, it's part of, of who we are and what what we do. And, and then we get our team involved, too. And they go out and help fundraise. And I think it's a way for us to all connect in, in something other than the office environment. Um, and I just love, like, helping others out, man, and, and giving back, especially to the cancer and, and some other communities that, that we've gotten involved with. So uh, they need help. And, and there's people people like us that can help, you know, change the course of cancer or whatever it may be that we're supporting. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting and exciting trend that's happening, especially in small and mid-sized businesses, of this social responsibility or community uh, integration that – we rarely saw at all, even 10 years ago, where these companies are still for-profit organizations, but they're, they have missions or they have causes or they're partnering with nonprofits. So it's, it's interesting to see that trend. And I love what you guys are doing too. And you had mentioned 24-Hour Booty and, and how you've been a sponsor of them, but then also you, you helped create Pink to Drink. So talk to us a little bit about what that event is. So Pink to Drink... Uh developed along the way uh, with 24 Hours Booty, you know, somehow I became a team captain of, of a group of friends that would ride and, and fundraise. And um, through that process, I met who had I met Josh Jones, who's become an absolute best friend of mine um, years ago. And I actually met him at the first Pink to Drink uh, his daughter had just passed of cancer and a good buddy of mine and, and y'all may know him, Sean Wilfong. He's involved with Leroy Fox. I know he's right downstairs from, from the office there. He was on, on my team and he and Josh were great friends and growing up together. And he said, you got to meet a buddy of mine, Josh, he's going through this. And how would you feel about expanding our team? Maybe with Josh had established a team and, and doing our fundraiser with them. I was like, would love to. And so we pulled this thing together at the Leroy Fox over off Sharon Amity in Cotswold. And that was our first team to drink. And man, we had, and I'm not sure if this should be on record or not, we had, we were a little over capacity in that, in that, <laughs> uh, let's just say that. And, and, and we called the event Pink to Drink because of, of Libby, Josh's daughter, that, that lost uh, cancer. Her favorite color was pink. And this was a drinking event. We would sell tickets and for food and beverage, right? And it started there. Well, we obviously outgrew Leroy Fox the first year. So we started uh, thinking, like, we partnered with Sugar Creek, OMB, the distillery, all of that over, is that called Soho now? Or whatever it is, uh, Solo, South End, whatever. Um, and we started a block party there, grew the event. Started inviting all our friends, and then one thing led to another after years of doing it. And uh, we would sell tickets, provide food, beer, um, and then a big auction item, and just have fun. We'd have a band and, you know, all those things. Uh, again, bringing the community together, but with a common goal of raising money for, for 24 Foundation. Um, COVID kind of threw a kink in that event. We need to crank back up. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're real proud of, of what uh, we were able to, to achieve there. I think the last year we donated around $38,000 from that one night uh, to 
to to booty and you know we did that years uh, on end so yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun there are a couple things as we're wrapping this thing up that are just ringing in my head uh, that are like constants about you and it's purpose like you are very intentional about your purpose that has a community aspect starting you know at home in a small workplace expanding into a larger community that and consistency and perseverance you've got to consistently show up whether the world is crashing or not, you know, gosh, when you launched this thing in 2008, come on, man. I mean, that was a tough freaking time. We had nowhere and to go. Then, <laughs> oh man. You know, and, but consistently doing it and you can't do a podcast for five years every week. I mean, we're again, uh, imposter syndrome showing its head here, but you know, we just launch every other week. You know, you guys have been doing it every week <laughs> for five in. years. That's and if you're not driven by purpose, you can't consistently do that. Sorry, you know, yeah. like where's the ROI? Uh, there's not any, then shut it down. You know, that's what you would hear in corporate America. So Thank you for that. Thank you for inspiring me today in oh, your wow. story. It's really good. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate those comments. And I, you know, you don't hear that. I don't hear that much. And I don't really, I mean, it's very nice to hear. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it just is. It, it is it's what we do. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy living like that. Way, so um, there are a lot of directions we can take. You know, <laughs> yeah. and we all live by our choices. So my choice is, like you said, get up, show up, no matter how you feel, as best you can. And, and if if you can go home today saying, you know what, I was a little better today than yesterday, then you won. You know. So. Yeah, well said. What we try to do. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, now, thank if you. I could just keep up with you and F three, Greg or Gary, uh, we'd be doing something. <laughs> come join us on the man cave at the man cave 4 30 p.m sunday Ooh. afternoon myers park high school come on man yes sir scott thanks so much for sharing for listeners make sure you check out dunstangroup.com connect with scott on linkedin anywhere else where you want them to uh to go that'll be it uh, give us a call, 704-293-4609. Shoot me an email, scott at dunstangroup.com. We'd love to chat with you. Love to have you on the podcast. Love to do some work for you or just have lunch, you know? Yeah, be sure to check in, check out uh, Brand Builders Podcast as well if you haven't already. So thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Gary.